We're going to go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter number one. This is actually a completely different direction, but where I started, where I started on uh, Sunday in this chapter. But I want to, I want to bump on down a little bit uh, to the fourth verse for the sake of your hearing tonight. We started uh, Sunday morning in this chapter by dealing with on his name and your sins are washed away. But when Jesus was baptized, this was a sign of his humility. Because John pointed his finger and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. He said, I'm not even worthy to unloose his shoes. I'm, I'm not even worthy to touch his sandals. He said, I'm baptizing you with water, but there is one coming after me who is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Praise God. And so, verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked him the question. They said, well, is it time for you to restore the kingdom of Israel? This is how quickly people revert to their own personal world. They said, are you here to restore the kingdom of Israel? Not one time in his preaching and teaching and parabolic teaching did he ever say, I'm here to restore Israel. He said, I'm here to establish kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. Everybody say Jerusalem. In all Judea. Samaria. And the uttermost parts of the earth. He said you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. You're going to be witnesses in Judea. You're going to be witnesses in Samaria. And you're going to be witnesses in the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. Amen. I'm going to preach to you tonight from this subject. After Easter. After Easter. You may be seated in Jesus name. After Easter. Now, I'm going to start tonight probably just a little bit strong. I don't, I don't want it to, uh, I can't say that I don't want it to be abrasive because I do. I can't say that I don't want it to be uncomfortable because I do. But I don't want it to be offensive. And I want to say that it's amazing to me how many people, if you just watch the whole world, I, I was showing uh, videos some of our staff this week uh, of some of the things that transpired on Resurrection Sunday at large mega churches and the endless budgets and all the things like all the money that was spent on Resurrection Sunday it's just it's just insane to me and you know what if you got it spend it if you you know if you can make it the best go after it and go do it but my my thoughts this week as I was just kind of reflecting over some things is that there's always such a big build in the church world for Easter Sunday. It's like Easter's coming, man. You you better you better go to Burlington or whatever and get your kids their pastel clothes. And it's like the only time of the year that it's you like you're buying hats and bonnets for your kids and like they're gonna be mad at you if they have to wear them any other time. You know, like it's like on Easter. 
we multiply the candy and the calories, and uh, it's, a, it's a big deal. I mean, in the religious world, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, it's a, it's a big deal. But I'm going to tell you, it's a big deal to me every day. It's a big deal to me every day. And uh, the thing that I struggle with so much, and, and, and I touched on this Sunday morning, is that if what, if what George Barna's research group came up with about the resurrection is really a fact, I'm, I mentioned this Sunday morning, then a very large, I mean a very large percentage of people that were in church this past Sunday do not even believe in the reason why they were there to celebrate. And this, this shows us how many people's relationship with God is built on the tradition of their parents and their grandparents. And that's the reason why they're not as faithful to church. If you start studying research, and I'm not going to bore you on the research, but that's why they're not as faithful on, on uh, church attendance as their grandparents were. And their parents were a little less faithful than their grandparents. And now this generation, they go on Easter Sunday and Christmas not because they're, they're so moved by the resurrection, but because they don't want to disappoint their grandparents. And they think, what if this is the last Easter they're still alive? Oh, my. I told you it's going to be a little abrasive. And, and, and so I, I look at the huddled masses. You know, I see, I see thousands and thousands and thousands, literally multiplied hundreds of thousands of people that attend churches on Easter Sunday that will not go until Christmas if they're lucky. They'll show up on Christmas for another holiday. But understand me tonight, I want to take you in a direction that I hope will stir your soul because it has sure stirred mine. It's been on my heart in prayer this week. I want to know what happens after Easter. I want to know what happens to all of the people who came and heard about the resurrection but will not walk in that resurrection power. I want to tell you that the resurrection did not transpire so that you and I could show up in pastel collars to church one weekend out of the year and go back to the same muck and mire that we were in. But the resurrection happened so that we could be free from that kind of life. The resurrection happened so that we could be so that we can be delivered from those mindsets that hold us captive. I'm telling you, the kind of revival that we're going to see in the end time church is not an Easter revival of attendance. It is a revival of deliverance. It is revival where the captives are going to be set free, where the broken are going to be healed. I was praying the prophetic prayer this, this morning, this afternoon, uh, throughout this day of the prophetic prayer of Isaiah. Jesus, uh, Jesus quoted it, and it made him really mad when he stood up in the synagogue. Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah. He stood up in the temple, and he said, He hath anointed me. Response to the word, we usually mean there were a lot of amens. Are you, <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? When a pastor says, this is a word, church, what he means is, 
You can pretty much get up and say just about anything, and they'll say, that's right. <laughs> Come on. And if you, if you get the organ cranked up just right, man, they'll, <laughs> oh, I'm going to get in trouble. And, and, and we talk a lot about a response to the word, but honestly, and again, I, I preface this one time. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to preach in a dead church. I want it to be emotional. I want it to be responsive. But the word of the Lord was never meant just for an emotional response. An emotional response is the first thing that triggers our hearts. As a matter of fact, it is a biblical precedent for in the book of Acts, the second chapter, when the apostle Peter told them that they had crucified Jesus, whom God had made both Lord and Christ, the Bible said they were pricked in their hearts. Acts 2 and 37, it, it, it was an emotional response. But after the emotional response, there was a physical response. And the response was, now my emotions have been pricked. What am I supposed to do? Are you with me? And, and, and so we got to be careful in the church that we don't grade a preacher's ability by the emotional response. Oh, boy. That he draws from a crowd because I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen people, and I don't want this to like, I don't want this to like bust anybody's melon or hurt anybody's feelings, but if you've been around, you've seen people that were carnal as anything I've ever seen, but they could get in a pulpit and get a response from people, an emotional response. I've seen people that have the ability to connect with people, but you know what? I've been doing this for a long time, and I've, I've man, I've studied all kinds of leadership guys, all the gurus that are out there, the John Maxwells, the Jim Rohns, the Tony Robbins, and you just start naming them. You know, now we've got Jordan Peterson and all these guys that they give all kinds of principles for life. And I, these guys, in my opinion, if, you're, if you disagree, that's cool. You have a right to be wrong. None of them are anointed. They're not, they're not preaching anointed. They're... They, they are motivational speakers that, that get a response from people. The pulpit is not a place in an apostolic church for motivational speakers. I don't need somebody to motivate me to do better what I'm doing. I need somebody to motivate me to say my heart is pricked. Now what am I supposed to do? Jesus came. He died. He was buried. He rose again. Now what am I supposed to do? The resurrection was not so that I could remain in my sin and be comfortable because I went to church last weekend. After Easter, there is a whole new level of responsibility because you no longer have to stay bound and you no longer have to stay addicted. Are you hearing what I'm preaching tonight? I'm telling you that Easter, the resurrection, took away every excuse for why somebody should be lost. I don't say this often, but I'm preaching better than you responded to that right there. I said, I'm telling you the resurrection took away every excuse for why anybody ought to be lost. 
Did you, did you notice, did you notice how cool it is that we get, that we get four books, four gospels that describe the life, the life and time of Jesus Christ that's true, but also the life and the times of the disciples that he hand-selected and the people that ran with him. And, and I, I'm not saying this to be brash and I'm not saying this to be crude. Some of it's assumption, uh, some of we don't know for sure, but... But we've got everything, uh, we've got everything from addicts that follow him. We've got women that, that some historians believe. I don't know whether I believe it or not. Some historians believe that uh, they were prostitutes. We've got thieves. we got tax workers. That's got to go all the way to top. Matter of fact, it could probably fit in every category. I don't... We... we we got, we got blatant liars. We got deniers. And all but one of them is in the upper room. And it's because he didn't take advantage of the resurrection that was about to set him free from the thing. Uh, you, you ain't going to help me preach on Wednesday night. And when I get to Judas, I want to go, hey, come down. It's not as bad as you think. You know, the enemy loves to use a tool of hopelessness. He loves to make you feel like there's no end in sight. And there's no healing, but brother, I'm here to tell you, after the resurrection, that excuse is gone. I thank God Almighty for every person. I thank the Lord for every person that was here. Going back through our records, we realized something on Sunday morning, and I'm not saying this to be facetious, but I'm, I'm being serious. We had a staff meeting on Monday morning. We were kind of going over things. We didn't have a lot of first-time guests here Sunday. We really, we really didn't. We didn't have a whole lot of guests. You know what happened? A lot of folks that's been missing came to church. It's true. Y'all think I'm being mean. I'm being honest. There's a lot of folks that hadn't been coming faithful that showed up to church on, on Easter Sunday. I, well, thank God Almighty. Brother McLean texted me, uh, or I texted him, I think I texted him first on Monday, and he said, how many came? And I told, I told him, he said, I was thinking you were going to say $4.99, and I was sick at home. I, I was going to make the 500 <laughs> Church, he messed it up again. <laughs> messed it up. Yeah. I thank God for everybody that showed up to church on, on, on Easter that usually don't go. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, man, you got to be real careful what you say and how you preach anymore. You really do because people get them gun barrels loaded up. But, hey, I'm just going to tell you. I'm not, I'm not nearly as concerned about hype and, and as concerned about crowd control and as concerned about, how can I say this nicely, rear ends and seats. Okay, is, is that too crude? I'm not nearly as concerned about rear ends and seats as I am feet on gold. Right. 
not just looking for people to fill the capacity of a building. I'm looking for people who are hungry to tap in to the power of that resurrection and realize I don't have to be lost. It don't matter who my mama was. It don't matter who my daddy was. It don't matter what my background is. By the grace of God and the power of that blood that was shed and the power of his resurrection, I will be saved. I wish somebody would shout that tonight. I will be saved. Come on, you are to say it again tonight. I will. One more time. Do you mean that tonight? How do you know you're going to be saved? Because I made up my mind I was. I wish it was deeper than that, Brother Dan. How, how, how do I know I'm going to be saved? Because I made up my mind. I'm not quitting. I made up my mind that when I get discouraged, I'm just going to keep on going. I made up my mind when I get depressed, I'm going to think myself happy. I made up my mind when I get carnal and do something dumb, I'm going to come back to the same altar, put my feet on the ground, and I'm going to say, God, I'm flesh, and I messed up, but because of your resurrection, I don't have to die like this. Thank you. I'm not talking about willfully sinning. I'm talking about your humanity exposing itself in this world that we, this is a real world. This isn't Hollywood. It's a real world. You're a human being. You're going to make mistakes. But after the resurrection, your mistakes do not define you. Woo, I wish somebody would shout yes. <laughs> well, all you Pentecostals just expect people to be perfect. No, we don't. The Lord expects us to try. That's not a Pentecostal thing. I mean, good grief. The blood of Jesus Christ was not so I could get temporary relief from my addiction. Can I draw a parallel for you? I, man, I want, I, want somebody to, I want somebody to leave here encouraged tonight. How many of you remember the story about Naaman? I've preached this many times through the years. Naaman, great man, man of valor. But, remember what? He was a, yeah, that's what the scripture said. He's a great man, had great influence, was victorious, great man. But, seems to be that conjunction in everybody's life. Doesn't matter how much good you try. It's like, but he struggled. And so, he had leprosy, and his life was changed forever. And so, he, he goes to the prophet, and then he gets upset. And I don't have time to preach this story, but I, I want to get the principle and extrapolate on that if I can for just a minute. He comes, and the, 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 the prophet sends his servant out, and he's frustrated because the prophet didn't come out himself. And yeah, it, it, it's a big, long, drawn-out deal. And he said, look, uh, he, he said, go tell him. That he's going to go to the Jordan River and he's going to dip seven times. Okay? Now, I'm going to mess with you right here. It's, no, it's nothing new. I've preached this through the years, but you, this is it's where we're at and what I'm preaching tonight. So he goes finally after much frustration and, and, and arguing. Matter of fact, he was angry. The Bible said he was going to go back home. 
He's going to get back on his chariot and go back home, still a leper. Uh, I can't imagine coming all that way just to go home the same way I came. But that's a different sermon. We'll have to preach that later, Sister Don. I can't preach it tonight. But I'm going to tell you, I get frustrated. That's another time. The celebration comes when they realize there really was a resurrection. And you can be, like, I'm not talking about just a little bit free. Woo! I'm talking about 100%. I don't believe that, Pastor. Then you don't believe in the resurrection. I'm talking about 100%. Completely and totally delivered. Never be the same again. I just don't believe that. I don't believe people ever get completely delivered. You know what? You need to go dip again. You need to baptize your brains one more time in the idea that he, now listen to this language, he that the Son hath set free is free indeed. That means no devil in hell can take that away from you. That means none of your family can take that from you. That means your past. Your past can't take that from you. What you've been through can't take that from you. If you've been set free by the blood, you are free. You're free. I wish somebody would buy into that right now. I said you're free. Your language changes. You don't talk about your addiction anymore. You have the right to say, I used to be an alcoholic. I used used to be a drug addict. I used to smoke three packs a day. But I believe in the resurrection. That sweet baby makes me tired. (laughs) Don't ever make him stop worshiping. Praise God. I love these kids worshiping in this church. I told Bias tonight. I told Bias on my way by. I love it. I walked by. I was talking to Brother and Sister Gray. He just, he pointed right up here at the altar, didn't he? I walked by. I was talking. He He pointed up at the altar. I said, that's right, buddy. I'll see you up there in just a minute. I'm not not apologizing for that. I'm not apologizing for people that can't can't get enough of God. I'm not apologizing for people that are here every time the doors are open and people say you're just out of control. You're a fanatic. You got that right because I believe in the resurrection. All right, here it comes, Brother Frank. You ready? I'm coming to a close. 
<laughs> what are you doing, Pastor? I'm trying to get you to really believe what we say we believe. Can, can I get down where you're living right now and just kind of, can I just kind of walk in your trash just a little bit? Can I do that? When I was a kid, they said all up in my Kool-Aid and don't even know the flavor. Can I get up in your Kool-Aid for a minute? Because I think I know the flavor. Listen, listen to me. If you've repented of your sins, okay, and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, and you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you still feel guilt about what you were, that's not God. See, I, I got to say it, not spray it. I'm going to break this down Gerber style where every baby in here to every adult can take a bite of this. If, if you fed kids the same thing, I don't even know if they still got it. You, you girls know these babies. They still make Hawaiian delight from Gerber. They, you, don't know, you don't know? It's heavenly. I'd feed one bite to Lauren and I'd take a bite. So I'm going to break it down Gerber style where daddy can get a bite and baby can get a bite. Okay? I want you to listen to me. I'm, I'm going to give you a Bible for this. I'm not on my notes. We're going to see how, how fast Wes is. I'm going to say this real, real slow. Y'all with me? Isn't this cute? We better water this, Sister Kate. Don't forget. There is, therefore, now. Somebody say now. now. See, if you've been around, you can quote this scripture. There is, therefore, now, no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Was that slow enough? My word. There's therefore now, 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 after the resurrection, now, after I've been baptized in his name and got in him in baptism. He gets in me his spirit. If any man hath not the spirit of Christ, there are none of his. The spirit of Christ lives in me by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. How do I get in Christ? In Christ through baptism. So follow my logic right here. If I'm in Christ and Christ in me is the hope of glory, why do I still let condemnation beat my brains out? Am I helping anybody in here tonight? I just, I just don't know if God can ever use me, Pastor. I've made so many mistakes. Look, y'all know I love you. I'll sit down with you. I, 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 won't, I won't break bread with you right now, but I'll, I'll eat some steak or something because I'm staying off the carbs. But I'm going to tell you, I'll sit down with you and drink coffee all day long, but I'm never going by the blood of the Lamb. And the devil can't do one.
one thing about it. I've been set free. I am what I am. By the blood of the Lamb. I am what I am because I've been redeemed. Oh, I wish you'd believe what I'm telling you right now. And shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I am what I am by the blood of the Lamb. I wish you'd try it one more time. I am. Clap unto the Lord if you believe that. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. You can be seated. So listen. I want you to get this in your mind. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Come on, y'all can quote that. You know the word, don't you? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. So anytime after the resurrection that I start telling God how much I don't deserve, you realize realize who I'm speaking against. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not offending myself. This is sometimes a bunch of false humility. Well, I just, I don't deserve his goodness. No. But we're not allowed to talk like that after the resurrection. Because there's nobody in here. Do we really like that kind of preaching? There's not one single person in here tonight that deserves the resurrection. But aren't you thankful for it? I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. With the precious blood of Jesus. So whenever I say. That God has done with me. What I'm really saying. And I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm telling you contextually speaking. What you're really saying is. The blood is not enough. When you say God has washed his hands of me. And, and, and I'm done. No. He has not. You're, say, you're saying. That the blood is not enough. Well I failed so many times. There's just no way I can get back up. Well then the blood's not enough. The old lead balloon falling right in the front row. Yeah, but Pastor, I, I just listen, I I don't think you understand how 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 low I've been. And I don't think you understand how far I've gone. <clears throat> Y'all forgive me. I've been preaching quite a bit. I got a little preacher's voice here tonight, but can I just share with you that the response, the antidote to that kind of thinking? You don't know how far I've been, you don't know how low I've been. Can I, can I share that with you tonight? Well, it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest. 
Oh, it's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never. Sing it again. It will. Come on, hear it one more time. Oh, it will. It's never going to lose its power. It's not going to lose its power if you backslide. It's not going to lose its power if you mess up. It's not going to lose its power if you stumble. Come on, it's not going to lose its power if you lose your way. It will never lose its power. Let's stand tonight. <laughs> It will never. Long after you forget what I preached tonight. And long after the goosebumps of Easter are over. There's still blood that's never lost its power. And there's still a Christ that's been resurrected. And he's seated at his rightful place in authority in the heavens. And when John, after the resurrection, looked into the heavens at Patmos, he said, I saw one seated on the throne. You know what? After the resurrection, when John had been persecuted and he was on the Isle of Patmos to die, he was still high on the throne. It's one thing, and I, I, I'm shutting it down. I'm done. I'm coming to a close, and I mean it. It's one thing for Daniel to look into the heavens and see the revelation that he saw. And, and, and if you get in deep, you'll, you'll understand that there's not, there's not many, if any at all, that you would get into that would say Daniel and John saw a different, a different place or a different heaven. They, most theologians are going to agree. Daniel looked the same place that John did. And it's interesting, I, I wish I had time to preach this tonight, but Daniel's looking from that, that side of the cross. He looks up and he said, I saw hair like wool, eyes like fire. It was the ancient of days. John looks up and sees hair like wool, eyes like fire. He said, it's the son of man. You understand what I'm saying? The ancient of days is the son of man. <laughs> And he's seated at his rightful place of power in the heavens. And it don't matter how many lies the devil tells you, it doesn't unseat his majesty. Just can't. But I want you to think about this. Daniel's looking into the heavens and he sees this interaction between the lamb and the ancient of days, which is... This powerful prophetic deal that the, the lamb slain, John called it the foundation of the world. I wish I had time to break this down. The lamb is taking the authority of the throne. He sees that. And then John confirms that. But listen, Daniel's looking into the heavens from a pre-resurrection idea. John is looking in the heavens after Easter. And we don't, we don't know for sure. John, John was, in my opinion, 
And in a lot of opinions, the last of the apostles to die. Very, very good chance. John died somewhere in the neighborhood, from best we can tell, somewhere around 90. Okay? And Jerusalem was destroyed in 70. And Jesus had been crucified for 37 years when Jerusalem, or he'd been resurrected, ascended 30, about 37 years when Rome was destroyed, or when, when Rome, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. So understand me when I tell you this. Everything he knew was destroyed. We, we believe that John had a family because it was John who said no, no greater joy than to know that my children. Some say that means his sons in the gospel. Take for what you want. But either way, it was people that he loved. He called them his children. He, he was separated from his children that he loved. They had, the reason he was on Patmos is because they had boiled him in oil and it did not kill him. Any takers on the, anybody want to do a science experiment? Not I me, mean, not me. You ever got popped by bacon? It's no fun, is it? They submerged that gentleman. Boiled him in oil. And he's sitting isolated on this, this rocky island with rocks and, and, and sand blowing in the open blister wounds of his body. And he looks God. He looks up into the heavens and he starts beholding this amazing vision. When all of a the sudden, there's a voice that comes behind him. That says, I am Alpha. I am Omega. Come on, Revelation 1 and 8. Look at it for yourself. Beginning. I am the first. I am the last. John, I am everything. Woo! I love this language. He said, I am the one. Which was. I'm the one. Which is, right here, right now, while you're broke down, busted, disgusted, I am, and I'm the one that will be. What are you doing, Pastor? I'm here to preach to you. After everybody gets inspired about the resurrection, it's time for some of us to start walking in resurrection power. Resurrection power says, boil me in oil if you will. I'm still not going to recant. Throw me on Patmos if you want to, but I still see him high and lifted up. I'm not going to quit believing because I go through a trial. After the resurrection, there is no excuse for why I can't make it. If you believe that, clap your hands to the Lord and give him great praise. Come on, love the Lord with me. Come on, give him an after resurrection praise. Give him an after Easter praise. I am alive forevermore. John, I want you to know I am he who was dead. But I am alive forevermore. Folks, his resurrection is more powerful than your failure. His resurrection is more powerful than your past. And his resurrection is the only thing that gives you a future.
I've come on this Wednesday night. I wish I could look all of you right in the eye right now. I wish I could look you square in the eye and tell you this. But I want you to hear your pastor tonight, okay? I want you to act like it's just me and you in a room by ourselves, nobody else. And I'm looking you in the eye right now, and this is what I want to tell you. Because of the resurrection, you're going to make it.